Please be seated. On July 29th, 1974, in breaking with tradition and disobedience to the canons of the Episcopal Church, 11 women were ordained in Philadelphia. Barbara Harris was the crucifer. In October of 1980, Barbara Harris was ordained a priest. On February 11, 1989, Barbara Harris was the first woman ordained, consecrated, as a bishop in the Anglican Communion. Barbara Harris is an African-American. Short in stature, formidable in spirit and grace. I got to spend four years in the Diocese of Massachusetts and every once in a while would have the privilege of hearing her preach or speak and If a gospel passage like this morning's would come up, she might have a tendency to go, this text reminds me of another gospel, and begin to preach on that one. (laughs) It's tempting to use the Barbara Harris method this morning. When it comes to this gospel where Jesus has this encounter with a Canaanite woman, but there's a nugget for us today. The context is, previously in the chapter, in the chapter before, the Pharisees come up to Jesus in their usual way and say, why don't your disciples wash their hands before they eat? And the crowd comes and hangs around, and Jesus has this teaching moment, and the gist of it is this. This people honors me with their lives, but their, with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is empty since they teach instructions that are human rules. And then he says, and I love when he says this, listen and understand, like we always understand what Jesus is talking about. It's not what goes into a mouth that contaminates a person in God's sight. It is what comes out of the mouth that contaminates the person. And then the disciples who I just adore say, Oh my, Jesus, are those Pharisees going to be offended by what you said? And all he does is say it again. He repeats himself. It's the heart, not human-made traditions, not the law. It's the heart that matters. And then off he goes, the scripture says, where we pick up today to Tyre and Sidon. Otherwise known as, back in the day, enemy territory. Gentiles live there. Any self-respecting Israelite, although I'm not sure Jesus was totally self-respecting, would not walk alone in that territory, but not Jesus. And a Canaanite woman comes up to him, different ethnicity, different religion, probably a Herod worshiper, Different heritage, different culture, different gender. Basically, quintessentially, the other. And she approaches Jesus as only a mother of a hurting child could. Have mercy on me. My daughter is possessed by a demon. And then we have this 
I don't know, ridiculous, challenging, disturbing dialogue between Jesus, the disciples, and this Canaanite woman. Well, it doesn't start out as a dialogue because Jesus doesn't answer her. And then the disciples, they have a great idea, get rid of her. And Jesus says, I didn't come for you. And the woman says, help me. And Jesus says, you know, I'm not supposed to give you a piece of God's healing. And the woman says, but even the dogs get the crumbs from God's table. And Jesus says, you are a woman of great faith, so be it. That's the BSS paraphrase of the scripture, Bonnie Sarah Spencer. It's interesting to me that Jesus, who seems to be bound by human rules like he just talked about in the previous part of the scripture that we didn't get this morning, has his heart moved by the other, by this quintessential other in this text. This Canaanite woman challenges Jesus. She says, I am here. I am not going away, and I want your help. Kind of had a wow moment with that this week because we have an abundance of Canaanite women saying to us, the people of God, I am here. I am not going away. Lord, have mercy. So most of you don't know this, but I am, my whole family is Jewish. You might be asking the question, what's a nice Jewish girl doing in a place like this? My mother asked that question for years, as did my Jewish grandmother. But all kidding aside, and my family my, uh, immigrated here, all four sets of my great-grandparents from Russia and Lithuania during the pogroms around the turn of the last century when the czars were persecuting the Jews. I never, ever thought that in my lifetime, in this country and in this world, I would see Nazi flags on the streets again. As many of and most of you, or hopefully all of you are, I, am, I have been devastated and sick to my stomach a lot of this week because of what happened in Charlottesville. And even more troubling is the response of many people in power, both politically and in the church leadership. I think this has been an apocalyptic moment. And what I mean by that, apocalypse is not, you know, what's going to happen at the end times and all this prediction and stuff. Apocalypse, the word in Greek simply means an unveiling. It's been an apocalyptic moment, and there have been several in the last few years, of what is really going on in our world and in our country. And there's been silence around this. There's been some condoning of the rally in Charlottesburg. And we see an ever more clearly an undercurrent in our country and around the world. And this moment has said to me that I and all of us as people of God cannot remain silent. We cannot remain passive. The Canaanite woman calls out to all of us. She is the face of every oppressed and marginalized person, of the last, the least, and the lost. 
those who have been not welcomed at God and humanity's table. We have a moral imperative, dare I say, a gospel mandate to act and to speak. If not the ones who love and follow Jesus, then who? Not in hate or anger or violence, lest we become those things, but in love and faithfulness. Dr. King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. And it's not enough to just say something. We have to turn that love into action. Again, Dr. King says, history will have to record that the greatest tragedy of this period of social transitions was not the strident clamor of the bad people, but the appalling silence of the good people. I have news for you today. You are good people. You are good, good people. And just as this Canaanite woman opened Jesus more fully, I think, to the vastness of God's love and healing embrace, so we must learn from the Canaanites in our world. Those who are oppressed on the margin, only getting the crumbs of the table because of our lack of welcome. So my other apocalyptic moment where I was more fully opened to God's wide love and embrace happened this summer at a place called the Wild Goose Festival, where a couple of thousand crazy Christians got together in Hot Springs, North Carolina. And anyone who would go to Hot Springs, North Carolina in July is crazy. But uh, one of the sessions, the speaker was Otis Moss III. I would encourage you, if you ever get a chance to listen to him, I got an amen over there and a nod. Uh, He is the pastor at Trinity UCC Church in Chicago, and he brought what he called his ensemble choir, which was 35 people. His regular choirs are about 450. So they are, he's preaching and they are singing, Oh Happy Day. You know that hymn, When Jesus Washed My Sins Away. I've kind of had an ambivalent relationship with that song because I kind of feel like it's all about this Jesus and me thing and my own sins. But watching those black folk, faithful black folk, sing that song with hope and courage and movement that I could not even possibly imitate, or voices that were amazing. It was my great is your faith moment. That a choir composed of my African-American brothers and sisters could sing this song, I think I finally got it. Or at least a small glimpse of what the Canaanite woman has to teach me. My new friends at St. John's and my brothers and sisters in Christ, it will indeed be a happy day when the sins of racism and white supremacy and Islamophobia and the fear of the immigrant and the anti-Semite and classism and sexism and so much more are washed away, it will be a happy day. Hate-filled speech is never okay. Racism and white supremacy is never okay, and neither is Nazism. And that's a very incomplete list. 
We have a lot of work to do. We really do. And we can do it because you are good people. We are in this boat as disciples of Jesus together, as Katie reminded us last week, that it is good to be together and you have weathered storms within and there are lots of storms without. And we need to stand together and be disciples and speak and act. The Canaanite woman reminds us, all, all are welcome at God's table. All are welcome at this table in a few minutes. All get access to healing, to wholeness, to salvation. Salvation is not fire insurance. Salvation is all that God has for us in God's abundance. Healing, wholeness, relationship, shalom. That will indeed be a happy day. In closing, a blessing that I learned from Barbara Harris in the Diocese of Massachusetts. It's a Franciscan blessing. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at the injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with just enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to all God's children. Amen. Amen.